Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, and we'll be looking at the church at Philadelphia. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, this over all of your works. Lord, enlighten us. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us to help us in the ministry of the Word of God. Father, feed us with manna from heaven, and we'll give you thanks for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, like I said, we'll be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. But first, let's look at the history of Philadelphia. Uh, the Church of Philadelphia and the city was uh, of ancient empire of Lydia, and the city was located on the Cogamus River, which was a tributary of the Hermas, and is located a little over 100 miles east of Smyrna. The city was built upon several hills, being located in a remote area of Asia Minor, and due to its remote location up in the Lydian Hills and its strong fortifications, Philadelphia survived while other cities were conquered by its enemies. The land around the city was very fertile, grapes being its main produce and its wine being well known and celebrated throughout the Roman Empire. Philadelphia, though not as old as other cities within the region of Asia Minor, uh, was being founded in 189 B.C., and at one time, the city was called Little Athens because of the magnificence of its temples to the gods and other public buildings built there. The city also came to be an important and wealthy trade center of the region. The city was the longest surviving city of the old empire until it was conquered and destroyed in 1390 by a force of Turkish Muslims and subjugated Byzantines. All right, let's look at the word. Verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. Let's review, first of all, the opening statements that uh, Jesus uh, gave to each of the churches that we've studied so far. To Ephesus, he said, these things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven candlesticks. To Smyrna, he says, these things says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. To Pergamum, he said, these things says he which has the sharp sword with two edges. To Thyatira, he says, these things says the Son of God, which has his eyes as a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. And to Sardis, he said, These things says he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So Christ is the one who walks in the midst of the churches. He's the first and the last. He holds the sharp two-edged sword. His eyes are as a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. And he has the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and the angels of the churches. So to the church in Philadelphia, Christ says, He that is holy. Holy comes from the Greek word hagios, and it means to be pure and morally blameless. Christ also says, He that is true. True meaning that which is true throughout, all that he has declared to be. 
So Christ declares himself to have the, the key of David, meaning Christ is the one who has the power and authority open as in a door or gate or to give entrance to. So Jesus has the authority and power to open and to shut, to open those into the kingdom and to shut those out of the kingdom. So Jesus Christ is exactly who he is and claims to be. There's not a shadow of turning with him. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in verse 8, he says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. The Lord says, I know your works. He doesn't say specifically what works the church was doing, but they were all good because the Lord then says, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, meaning the church has passed the test, and the Lord has granted an entrance into something of value that the church will be rewarded for. The Lord says to the church of Philadelphia, which means brotherly love, that they had a little strength, a little micron, a little power. Whatever strength the church possessed was commended by the Lord because they kept his word and have not denied his name. Now, verse 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So the Lord calls the Jewish population of Philadelphia the synagogue of Satan. Evidently, the Jews were not faithful believers of God or of his word. And Jesus says of them that they are Jews, but they are not, but do lie. J. Vernon McGee has an interesting commentary on this section of the scripture. He says, and writes, the remnant of Israel, which was being saved, had left the synagogue by this time. They had given up the law as a means of salvation and sanctification. And those who continued in the synagogue were now in a false religion. As Paul makes it clear, for they are not Israel, which are of Israel. That's in Romans 9, 6. They were no longer true Jews. He considered the true Israelite to be the one who had turned to Christ. Jesus said those Jews who were persecuting the church would one day be vanquished by Christ and made to kneel before the church. Christ purposes to do this to prove to them that Christ loves those who love him. Now, verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The word patience is to endure unto the end. Thou hast kept, which means this is a, an aorist active indicative verb, means to hold fast to or to keep or to care for. And the Lord says, because you have kept my word, I will keep you. This is the same Greek word, but it's written in the future active indicative. I will keep you in the future from the hour of temptation. Actually, the Greek preposition ek is translated principally from, from the King James 366 times as of, 
181 times from and 162 times out of. And as John Walvoord in his commentary of the revelation of Jesus Christ, he states that many have observed that from the hour of temptation would be better translated out of the hour of temptation. In this case, out of would be a reference to the rapture of the church. And J. Vernon McGee writes the following. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. He, Jesus, says that he will keep them not only from that awful Holocaust that is coming up on this earth, that period of judgment, but also from the hour of temptation. Therefore, this is, to my judgment, a complete deliverance. When he says, keep thee from the hour, I have translated it, keep thee out of the hour of trial. And by any stretch of the imagination, anyone could not say that this church is going through the great tribulation period. I believe that the period of the Philadelphia church continues right on through to the rapture of the church. This is the church which will go out at the time of the rapture. So the hour of temptation that's going to come upon all the world is to try them that dwell upon the earth. This speaks of God's long suffering and of his mercy towards those who dwell upon the earth who will be left after the rapture of the church. God will try all men and his long suffering will be his last attempt towards unsaved men to see their need to repent and be saved. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is not willing to make that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Man must make his choice to deny Jesus. God's only provision for redemption is to deny God himself and the free gift provided for him through the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. However, even in man's last breath, if a sinner will humble himself, repent of sin, ask Christ to save him, God will answer that sincere prayer in the same manner in which the Lord saved the thief on the cross. who simply said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in verse 11, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. Behold, I come quickly speaks of the doctrine of Christ of eminence. Christ is stating that he could come at any moment to rapture the church. The doctrine of eminence teaches and exhorts the church to always be looking up for the Lord's return to snatch his bride from the earth to be with him. Now, in Matthew 24, 45 through 47, it says this. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. There will be a great reward for those who remain faithful to Christ. And there will also be a reward for those who do not remain faithful to him. So reading again. Matthew 24 and verse 48. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of 
and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus says to the true believers at Philadelphia to hold fast to that which you have, meaning the believers at Philadelphia had faith in Christ as an actual possession in their heart. And they were living their lives in obedience to the Lord, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth and enduring the persecutions they were suffering. The reward given to the faithful, to those who have endured and to the end, will be a victor's wreath, a Stephanos. This was a crown given to those in Greek and Roman societies who won a great victory over their enemies and given great rewards and much fame. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown, a Stephanos of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And then in verse 12, the Lord says, Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Jesus is speaking to every believer who ever comes that he will be made a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, pillars are support beams or structures which support the upper construction of a building. Solomon's temple had two pillars erected called Boaz, which means in him it is strength, and Joachim, which means he it is will establish. All those who overcome shall be placed in the temple of God as pillars, not to support the temple, but as monuments and ornaments to adorn it, as emblems of praise for the one who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And the Lord says to the faithful in him that they will no longer go out. We will have no need to go out anymore, for the Lord will have become our all in all. And the Lord Jesus will write upon the faithful the name of God and the name of the city of God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God. And then the Lord said, I will write upon him my new name. This new name will be the new name given to Christ, and his new name will be encrusted upon us as his possessions throughout eternity. And then finally, verse 13, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All believers are to listen to the warnings and to the promises that the Lord gives, which the Holy Spirit says to the churches. So now, what does the message, what is, what is it that the Philadelphians and what, the Jesus, what Jesus has written to the Philadelphians, what is the message left to us? Well, first thing, the church of Philadelphia was one of only two of the seven churches that Christ praises. The Lord Jesus begins his address to the angel or messenger of the church, describing himself as he that is holy, he that is true. This is an entirely different form of address when compared to all the other addresses we have read up to this point. Jesus is the Holy One, the one who is true. 
And we, in virtue of the fact that Christ has redeemed us, have been made holy by the Holy Spirit, which dwells in us. Christ, on the other hand, is holiness. He is the one that was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And he also addresses himself as he that is true. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. All truth about heavenly things is found in Christ. In like manner, those who are found in Christ and are pursuing Christ will be men and women of holiness and truth. These statements bring out the great truth concerning the true followers of Christ that right doctrine and right living go together. The Lord Jesus also addresses himself as he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. And this is a reference to a principle found in Isaiah 22 verses 21 and 23. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. And I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail and a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. So who is Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah? Well, he was a faithful servant in charge of the house of King Hezekiah. Because Eliakim was so trustworthy, Hezekiah gave to him complete authority over the king's household. When he opened, it was open. And what he shut was shut. And in like manner, God the Father has given to Jesus Christ all power in heaven and in earth. The government of the kingdom of God has been laid upon his shoulders, and he is the ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, notice what Christ said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 19. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." So keys speak of authority. And Peter, because he received the revelation from the Spirit of God concerning Jesus Christ being the Son of God and Messiah, there was given to him authority in and of the kingdom of God. And we also, in virtue of the fact that we have received Christ as Savior and Lord, are given the keys to the kingdom and have been given authority over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our authority is subject to the authority of Christ. He is the one who holds the keys of David or the key of David, and we rule under his auspices. And then also, 
Jesus says to the Philadelphians, I know thy works. This church has thoroughly pleased Christ because he says, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Christ, who is over all the house of God and who has been given authority in heaven and in earth, is opening his rich treasure house to the church at Philadelphia because they have proven themselves entirely faithful to Christ and have not succumbed to the lusts and the false doctrines the other churches have allowed into their congregations. So this letter gives us a clue as to what he expects out of the church. And we can break all that we have studied into two great Bible principles, holiness and truth. And Peter in his first epistle says, but he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or manner of life, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And of course, we know that Jesus said it is the truth that will make believers free from the lust and the darkness of this world system. Now, Jesus tells this church that they have a little strength. The Greek word for strength comes from the Greek word dunamis or dunamis. And this word usually symbolizes the power and authority to do miracles. But this word also implies the power and influence which belong to riches and wealth or power and resources arising from numbers. So most likely these words of Jesus have more to do with the small amount of influence this church was able to have upon the populace. Now, there are many strong churches located in heavily darkened regions of the world where they exist. And these churches are tiny lights shining out through spiritual darkness, remaining faithful to Christ, even in the middle of persecutions and martyrdom. Whatever the word, the reason for these words of Christ, the church at Philadelphia was holding its own against the darkness of the world around them. And Jesus says to them that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And this church which possessed a little strength in the area around them to a greater degree was not being influenced by the pagan culture either. And so speaking to the Jewish population in Philadelphia, Jesus said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So this Jewish population in Philadelphia evidently were persecuting and causing trouble for the church. And the Lord Jesus labels the troublers as Jews in name only. The great fault of religious zealotry and of our postmodern culture is that it blinds us and causes the mind of these zealots to stamp out evil and they consider church to be an evil. The church today is being reviled by the word today. Every day, almost, we hear of churches and church members being assaulted and criticized for the stands that they take against the evils of the culture they witness. Many evil people have made the decision to destroy the church, but they don't perceive that a sword against the church is taking a sword against Christ 
And in the book of Revelation, it tells us how Christ will deal with those who align themselves with the Antichrist in opposition, opposition to the true Christ, the Lord Jesus himself. The Antichrist will go into everlasting destruction along with all those who follow him. And the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. Now, verse 10 says, Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, William Barclay, in his study in the book of Revelation, explains that the tense of the verbs in this passage of Scripture and also in another Scripture, verse 8, indicate that at some time in the recent past, the church had gone through an intense time of testing but had overcome in the victory of Christ and remained true and faithful to him. And because of this, the Lord says to the Philadelphian believers, Thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Jesus says that this hour of temptation will come upon all the world to try them that, to, that dwell upon the earth. And this hour of temptation is the great tribulation which Christ, the apostles and prophets, have talked about throughout Scripture. Notice Jesus says to the faithful believers that because you have kept my word, I therefore will keep you from the hour of temptation. The Philadelphian church was a faithful church, and its believers were standing fast. They were remaining true to their Savior and Lord. And because they kept his word, he in turn says to them that he will keep them. Faithfulness is already rewarded. Faithfulness is being rewarded today as we remain faithful to Christ. And then Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. Jesus says to the believers in Philadelphia, amen, behold, I come quickly. Well, we don't know the day nor the hour in which our Lord will return. But we are to live our lives as if we knew he were coming immediately. Christ lives on earth now through his body, the church. Although we do not consider this to be his return to earth, still the church is the physical representation of Christ. This is why the church is called the body of Christ. And he is, as he is, so are we in this world. There is, however, going to be a bodily return of Jesus Christ to this world. First, he will come to rapture or catch away the church as his bride. This event will be followed by the physical return of Christ to earth to judge and to do away with the armies of the Antichrist and then to set up his earthly kingdom, reigning for a thousand years with the church reigning with him by his side. The Philadelphian believers are told to hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. And those who remain faithful to Christ and do so until the very end, when they finish their race, they will be crowned. And this crown will be a Stephanos, a victor's crown, that will be awarded to those who have completed successfully, amen, their life here on earth. And then Jesus says to the overcomer, those who conquer will be made a pillar in the temple of my God, meaning they will be a permanent, important part of the worship of God during the millennium and on into the new heavens and the new earth. And the overcomer is also promised and will be written upon him the name of God, who is Jehovah, 
the name of the city of God, which is New Jerusalem, and the new name that Christ will receive. And it's, this speaks to us of total inclusion into the things of God concerning future events. We will be completely immersed into everything God is doing. To have one's name imprinted or stamped upon his person implies total ownership or proof of loyalty. And as we pass through the fires of testing and remain faithful to Christ, we will receive the marks of God upon us that will identify us throughout the eternities that we are here. I mean, that we are his. And so verse 13 finally says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So as with all the other churches that we studied, these closing remarks remind us to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. And this is such a vital, such a vital truth. Amen. Be ready, brothers. Be ready, sister. Keep looking up. Don't look anymore to side to side. Don't look at this culture. Don't try to draw truth from this culture. Draw truth from, to the, from the Word of God. Draw truth from the Holy Spirit. Draw truth from the Lord Jesus as we pray and immerse ourselves in Him, meditating in His Word, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and doing always those things that are pleasing to Him. And we'll be ready. When that time comes, we will be ready. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, strike these truths and mark them and write them upon our hearts so that, Lord, we'll know not to sin against you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.